Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. And welcome to Against the Match Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. And I'm your other co-host, Donnie Cage. There he is. There he is. Mr. Cage, how's it going today, sir? It's the start to a beautiful new week, Kentucky Guy. I'm happy to be here talking wrestling with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot going on in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, For those of you that are just joining us for the first time, make sure that you hit that follow or subscribe button. We're on all major platforms, including Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and the list goes on. Also, Mr. Cage, he has a uh, podcast of his own that he co-hosts with. You want to go ahead and tell him about Uncaged Voice? Yes, please check out the Uncaged Voice podcast on YouTube, our official channel. It is myself, Top Tier Brian, and Jigsaw Jester talking all sorts of topics, entertainment-related in fact, our last episode we did was about the slap heard around the world uh, when Will Smith got up on stage at the Oscars and just slapped the taste out of Chris Rock's mouth. It's an, it's an entertaining episode. Check it out. I actually did a, a podcast a couple episodes on Will Smith after that slap. I need to listen to that. Cool. I didn't know about that one. Also, for those of you that are uh, into current events, political news, and so forth, a lot going on in our country right now, a lot going on. I do host the podcast, the Red Pill Current News Podcast, and we drop new episodes there every Wednesday and Saturday. We are on all platforms, the same platforms that you can find us here on. Sometimes we do have special guests on there. Right now, due to the request of the base fans, we are basically focusing on everything that's going on in the United States. However, if that's your kind of thing, be sure to check it out. But right here, we do drop episodes every Monday and Friday. If you ever want to be a guest on the show or have any questions for Donnie or myself or have any comments like we received here lately, you can always email us at ol Kentucky spelled out 99 at yahoo.com. Ol Kentucky 99 at yahoo.com. Now we appreciate all of them. So <laughs> we'll never call you out over line on a cert- on certain emails or anything like that because we do appreciate you all and uh, we love your feedback. We really do. All right, so let's get into today's show. We're going to start the show off as normal. We we always start every show with fantasy booking. It's a segment that Mr. Cage uh, created a while back, Uh, one of my absolute favorites, basically where we pick a superstar who, if the promotion that they were currently with or with the time that we're talking about, could have tweaked or done some things, maybe, just maybe, they would have made a bigger impact in that organization. 
And Mr. Cage, as always, I'll let you start us off. Thank you, sir. This week I'm going to talk about a legend in the business. Well, he's a legend in some circles, at least. He had quite an, an incredible career, and he was known for a lot of his high-risk moves that he performed throughout his career and his gruesome injuries. I am, of course, talking about the homicidal, suicidal, genocidal, death-defying Sabu. Sabu, as you all know, is most well-known for his work in the original ECW. This guy uh, held multiple titles in the promotion, had great matches, some very hard to watch because of their brutality, but just classic, classic matches. This guy did things in the ring that you'd never seen before. He sustained injuries that you didn't know the human body could even sustain. And yet somehow he kept going and would finish a match. And then he'd go and check himself into the hospital. Well, after his original run in ECW, WWE, of course, purchased ECW in 2001. Sabu kind of disappeared for a little while. He made a few appearances in TNA Wrestling. Then in 2005, WWE had the really really awesome ECW tribute show, ECW One Night Stand. And the success of that pay-per-view actually led to the full-time revival of ECW, which was ECW on Sci-Fi, which is now a notorious period in WWE fans' history. But anyway, Sabu was one of the original ECW stars that were brought back with this revival. And it started off on a good enough note for Sabu. He wrestled Rey Mysterio at the 2006 ECW One Night Stand pay-per-view. It was actually for the World Heavyweight Championship. The match ended inconclusively after Sabu performed a springboard DDT on the outside through a table. Instead of continuing this storyline and having the two of them take on each other in a rematch, it was never talked about it again after the match was called. It was just, it was like they never wrestled each other. Sabu would have pay-per-view matches with the likes of John Cena and The Big Show, when The Big Show was ECW champion, I think we all remember that. And he was supposed to take part in the very first and to date only Extreme Elimination Chamber at the December to Dismember pay-per-view. For whatever reason, he was taken out of the match. They said that he was assaulted backstage and couldn't compete, so Hardcore Holly replaced him. And really, just throughout the remainder of his time in WWE's version of ECW, he was treated pretty much like a joke, something not befitting of his legendary status. And I'm not sitting here suggesting he needed to be ECW champion or, you know, needed to be booked at the top of the card all the time, but this is Sabu we're talking about. And he still had value in 2006, 2007. This was before the injuries fully, fully caught up to him, and he had to slow down considerably in his career. You could have made better use of him, and WWE just dropped the ball big time, like they did with many of the ECW guys that they brought back. Some of them, you know, it is what it is. They, they weren't really pushed more than they were. They were mostly enhancement talent. That is what it is. But Sabu was a guy who deserved better treatment. And WWE just didn't deliver. Your thoughts, Kentucky guy? <laughs> well, Sabu, much like Jim the Anvil Nightheart, rode the coattails of Rod Van Dam in ECW. I, I think he... Nah, come on, man. He, he's a horrible wrestler. Yeah, he'll get out there and he'll go through a table and 
get injured and stupid things, but most of his matches were a bunch of clusters and just, like I said, if it wasn't for uh, Rob Van Dam, he would have never had the, I think WWE was too gracious to him. He's nothing but a glorified spot monkey, in my opinion. Yeah, I have to disagree with that one, my friend. Definitely. Okay, so let's uh, let's move on to my pick. Gee, Almighty Sabu, what what are you thinking? All right, so let's move on to my uh, pick this week. Uh, my fantasy booking in this episode is going to be another ECW, a real former ECW star. His name is Peter Joseph, PJ, but you're going to know him by Justin Credible. Now, he is known for his earlier stint with the WWF, and I'm going to talk about him with the WWF and WWE, how they dropped the ball with this fantastic athlete. His first major stint was in the WWF as Aldo Montoya, where he competed as a mid-carder between 1994 and 97. Credible traveled to Alberta in 92 to train with the Hart Brothers training camp, normally, uh, normally ran by Keith Hart. He was mainly trained by his future... Uh, tag team partner and best friend Lance Storm. Pretty good trainer in my opinion. And his other trainer, the GOAT Chris Jericho who both graduated from the program a year prior. He went through this program by the way unpaid. He wrestled unpaid. He wanted to learn and become and affect his craft. He did however make it back to the WWF and began wrestling for them, and then as an enhanced talent. His first match was a loss to Lex Luger on March 1st, 93, episode of Monday Night Raw. After spending nearly two years in the WWF as an enhancement talent, he was finally hired by Pat Patterson to a full-time contract in late 94. His Portuguese ancestor inspired the WWF, a.k.a. Vince McMahon, to give him the character of playing a soccer. However, the ideal changed to a Portuguese man of war character since Credible didn't know anything about and didn't like soccer. He made his television debut as a fan favorite on November 14th on Monday Night Raw where he picked up a victory over the Brooklyn Brawler. We do. He was once offered to be a part of the Million Dollar Corporation, but he refused. So this, however, as soon as he refused that and told Ted DiBiase to shove his money in his ear, famous quote, <laughs> he became a lower card wrestler. He asked for his release in 97 when he was only being booked twice a month. His re- he was then released on a condition that he could not work for a rival promotion. AKA WCW, which was then luring wrestlers away from the WWF as a promise of a larger salaries. He was instead sent to extreme championship wrestling as a part of a talent exchange between the WWF and ECW. Now, once he joined ECW under the guidance of Paul Heyman, he completely changed his look. His first match was against Chris Candido in 97. He assumed the name P.J. Walker. However, he teamed up with Jason Knight, who became his manager until he retired, by the way. 
on the independent ticket, not the WWE, because he did go back to WWE, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. Jason Knight actually named him, renamed him, and repackaged him as just incredible with a with the jeans cut off, new attitude, and he had an undefeated streak, a new finishing move as well. Oh, that's incredible. He had an undefeated streak for over two months. He then created the Impact Players, where he teamed with his former former uh, trainer, Lance Storm, who they actually won the ECW Tag Team Championship. That team eventually broke up as Just Incredible, being the great heel that he was, turned on Lance Storm, and then he defeated Tommy Dreamer to win the World Heavyweight title for ECW. And he also took Dreamer's valet, Francine, from him. And from this point on, she was Credible's valet. So he won the championship and he kept the championship almost to the end where he finally, where finally Sandman uh, beat him in a victory on January 13, 2001. He returned to WWE right after. Now this was, the reason why he returned is because ECW was facing... Into, uh, they were going bankrupt, and Paul Heyman was unable to pay the roster, which we all know the, how that turned out. Vince McMahon ended up buying them anyway. In that alliance, though, he when he came back, he joined X-Pac to try to help X-Pac become the Intercontinental t- Champion. His storyline was his storyline was it, it it just it was stupid. They they did not know what to do with him. Uh, he was fired along with the rest of the alliance roster by uh, Vince McMahon until Ric Flair actually tried to save his job and drafted him to the Raw brand. On the Raw brand, he mainly wrestled on Sunday Night Heat and lost many, 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 many single matches. Uh, His final televised WWE appearance was him losing to Test, that joke, on December 8, uh, 2002, on an episode of Heat. So here's some of this guy's credit. Because really, I I just don't understand. I'm going to go over what he said himself, why it didn't work when he went back to WWE. I never could find anything him talking about the first time he was there. I guess he just talked it up to him being young. 15 different promotions. He was a 15-time world heavyweight champion. In 2000 and 2001, he was Pro Wrestling Illustrated, ranked number six of the top 500 wrestling single competitors. He was also three-time tag team champions in different promotions. Now, I want I want to read this real quick. This is why he believes, and he's spot on, and I didn't understand, I didn't know a lot of this, why his career did not take off when he left ECW to go, and this is his own words, to the WWE. Justin Credible said, quote, What hurt me is, one thing I learned in ECW was, how to get over with the fans. But also, I wore jean shorts in ECW. Well, Stone Cold. It was still Stone Cold's era. He wears jean shorts. Okay, I finish. I did both the tombstone and the super kick. Well, The Undertaker does the tombstone. Shawn Michaels does the super kick. So I can't do that either. So whatever made Just Incredible, Just Incredible, all of it became, you can't do that. Because ECW allowed you to almost, you could priority the other companies. 
we were the anti-establishment. So a lot of it was an offshot of what they were doing. And if they didn't want to play ball with the way my character was represented, and I know Vince McMahon never saw an ECW Just Incredible match. They hired me on, well, we know PJ. We hear he's doing good work. And that's the merit you get hired on. Sometimes young men and women think, well, if Vince sees our stuff, he doesn't watch wrestling. He watches his product, but he does not watch other shows. There's people who tell him, you know, this kid, this kid's good. He's coming up, blah, 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 blah. So it's silly to assume they knew my character and all that was going on. I never had a chance to fully communicate to them my needs as a performer, and it fell by the wayside is why I could not get over with the fans in the WWE. He's absolutely right. Once again, WWE, and I know this has been kind of lengthy, uh, they dropped the ball there with this guy. Uh, he went on to win. Uh, he's retired now. He's fat and happy. He's, he's had a good career. But, whoa, if he would not have asked for his release way back when and went to ECW, he would have had a completely different outlook on wrestling and a completely different career. Your thoughts, sir? Well, all right, just incredible. More like Justin Mediocre. No, I'm just kidding. Um, one thing I will say, this, this is where I agree with you on Kentucky guys, that him reinventing himself in ECW, getting a new name, new look, everything, definitely saved his career, definitely prolonged his career at the very least. And just incredible when he was paired up with Lance Storm as the Impact players. I think they were a really good tag team. There, I, I'm kind of surprised that when Lance Storm went to WCW in 2000, that Just Incredible didn't follow him, and the Impact players weren't a force in the WCW tag team division because they definitely needed it at the time. Um, I think they could have been very successful. But Just Incredible becoming ECW champion, yeah, you could make the argument that there weren't many other people in line at that time to be champion because I think... Rob Van Dam missed most of 2000 because he was out with an injury. Mike Awesome left while he was champion in 2000. Jerry Lynn briefly held the belt. Tommy Dreamer briefly held the belt. In fact, that's who Just Incredible beat. But I don't know. I just, I never bought Just Incredible as a world champion in ECW or any other promotion. Not saying the guy's not talented. I just didn't buy him as a world champion. That's just me personally. Um, as far as what they did in WWF, I mean, I, when he came back, I think it was just bad timing. Maybe if the timing was a little bit better, they could have utilized him in a better capacity. But, I mean, instead they stuck him with X-Pac and, and Albert and gave them that really terrible uh, Uncle Cracker theme song. And the rest was history. Well, he's 15-time world champion at 15 different promotions, by the way. <laughs> So there's 15 arguments against everything you just said. All I'm saying, <laughs> let's, uh, shoo. man, how dare you? Let's move on to AEW Rampage results. So the first match, of, I don't know if it was the first match. I don't think this is in order. But anyways, what the, uh, one of the first match we're going to talk about was the Blackpool Combat Club, and that's what they still call themselves, with Daniel Bryanson and John Moxley. They defeated Top Flight via submission. Okay, so here's the thing. You're going to be the Blackpool Combat Club, even though your, your leader's gone and 
he was really the only one from England, a part of the team. That's fine. That's fine. Hey, you know, hey. But why, if you guys are so bad and so tough, why are you fighting somebody like Top Flight? Seriously, what a joke. Makes zero sense. What's this match going to mean for either one? Because you guys don't do rankings anymore on AEW. So what was the purpose of these two goofballs fighting these two kids and pummeling them to death? Your thoughts? I mean, you know, Top Flight, they're a young up-and-coming tag team. Putting them in the ring with veterans like Moxley and Danielson gives them experience. So I can't fall AEW there. But, I mean, this is John Moxley and Brian Danielson we're talking about. Give them a more competitive match. I mean, they're both, they're, they're both multiple-time world champions in multiple promotions. I mean, Brian Danielson hasn't won the AEW World Championship yet. But he's, uh, he's, on, his, he's on his path to getting back there. But these two guys just do, do deserve better, honestly. There was no doubt in my mind that the Blackpool Combat Club was going to win this match. Brian Danielson, let's, let's talk here for a second. You really think he's going to be a world champion in AEW? All kidding aside? I'm simply saying it's a possibility due to this man's accolades. Okay, we'll leave it there. I personally think he's always been overrated, but, you know. Next match, Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter teamed up and they defeated the Renegades by via pinfall. My question is, I didn't really care about the match. It could, could care less. How much longer is Britt Baker going to have to carry Jamie Hayter before she drops her and gets her title back? How much longer are we going to have to put up with this Jamie Hayter era? It was all cute when it first happened, but on. She's no champion. She's a joke. Your thoughts? Well, now, hold on a second, Kentucky guy. I'm not saying that Britt Baker wasn't a great champion when she held the AEW women's title. She She's great. She's a role model. But, but And this is a great partnership here. I mean, Britt Baker is helping her friend out. Her friend who earned that title by beating Tony Storm. And, you know, Britt, you know, Britt Baker's supporting her. Now, does Britt Baker have aspirations to challenge for that title at some point? I'm, I'm sure, and I think if these two eventually lock up, it's going to be a good match. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, she's champion because of Britt Baker. I mean, she helped her. I, I don't know. There's a video then that showed up after the match featuring Malachi Black, and the video is kind of odd. Black said that he misses the Eddie Kingston that he used to know and love the one who was a sick bastard. The rest of the House of Black all backed up his talk, saying that they were there to help. This is very odd. I don't know what's going on. Are they are they trying to recruit? Why would they try to recruit Eddie Kingston? He does not fit the build of this group or the attitude. It makes sense. Your thoughts on the video? It doesn't make any sense to me. It was an interesting video for sure, but yeah, I I don't see eddie kingston in the house of black at all he i don't even think the guy has a single tattoo on his body <laughs> and isn't that a prerequisite for being a member of the house of black <laughs> um i mean this is obviously just building their characters more which I, which i'm perfectly fine with but yeah eddie kingston i mean yeah he was known for a lot of his death matches and everything back in the day so i guess this is them trying to coax him into bringing out his dark side but 
I hope, I really hope that this is not trying to hint that Eddie Kingston's going to be a member of the House of Black because I don't see that at all. Well, my thoughts are pretty simple on this. He hasn't been on TV in a while talking about Eddie Kingston and leave it that way. <laughs> Can't stand that guy. So the next two matches, I thought they were pretty much squash matches, the last two matches. One was Helen Grosso, Grosso, who absolutely killed uh, Sonico, hitting him with a vicious lariat in the match. Afterwards, the crowd booed as he ripped off the mask of Sonico. I actually thought that was pretty cool. And I'll talk about the last match. You can comment on them both because they were both squash matches. And the last match was Darby Allen. He defeated Mike Bennett. Boring match. Knew Darby Allen was going to win. There was no competition. I mean, he's a new. He has the title. He's a new champion. Let's uh, let's put somebody in there and give him some challenges. In my opinion, your thoughts? Well, um, the former Preston Vance, uh, who won his match, like you said, in dominant fashion. I don't know why they had to change his name. First of all, his new name is just so weird. But um. You know, if you want to, if you want to get him over as you know somebody to take seriously, they then yeah, they did a good job booking him here. Um, but of course, eventually you got to get past squash matches and put him against some real competitors if we're going to take him seriously. As far as Darby Allen versus Mike Bennett, I, I mean, I might have taken this match a little more seriously if it was on Dynamite. This goes back to what we say all the time, Kentucky guy. Rampage just feels like an episode of Main Event or Sunday Night Heat right now, where all the outcomes are really predictable. Storylines don't progress. It's just throwaway matches. And, you know, maybe if they had let Mike Bennett show a little bit more aggression, I might have taken him more seriously in this match at least. But the problem is, I still think back to his days when he was with WWE, where he was turned into an absolute, absolute utter joke. And despite his attempts to climb out of that hole when he was with Impact Wrestling, I, I, I mean, I still, I, I, his image has still been tarnished as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I never was a fan of his, but the WWE definitely did not pay him any favors. <laughs> Let's go over the uh, AEW Dynamite match card for this Wednesday. And they always do a so much better job, and you guys will see why I'm saying this, than the Raw match card before Raw. Even though they're two days later than Raw when we do this episode. John Moxley is scheduled to face Hangman Page. And we'll go two and two. I'll, I'll read off two and give my prediction, and uh, we'll let you comment on it, sir. Uh, John Moxley versus Hangman Page. I think John Moxley is going to destroy this guy. This guy is out of his league. I've said this from the beginning. He needs to go back to the elite so they can carry him again and just stay out of this. The other match is Jamie Hayter, once again, uh, will be carried by Dr. Britt Baker. And they're going to face Sierra, a.k.a. Paige, and Tony Storm. However, the rumor is that Sasha Banks is supposed to show up and take Tony Storm's place. However, right now, the official match is she's teaming up with Tony Storm. I look for Britt Baker once again to steal the show and to win the match. Your thoughts on these two? All right. So, Hangman Page versus Moxley. A lot of history there, especially after their last match. I'm actually going to predict here that Adam Page is going to pull off an upset. 
And I don't think that this is going to be the last the last time that these two clash. I think maybe at the next pay-per-view we'll see a final blow-off and an end to this feud. But I think uh, Hangman Page is gunning for blood right now, and I think he's going to walk away with the victory. Now, as far as Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter and their match against Soraya and her partner, who has been announced as Tony Storm, if that match goes forward as scheduled, then I'm going to predict a victory for... Britt Baker, and um, Jamie Hayter. If another mystery partner joins Soraya, then I could see AEW having Soraya and her mystery partner end up winning. Will it be Sasha Banks? That's that's the popular rumor on the internet, which you can't always blame the rumor. You can't always believe the rumors because sometimes they overpromise and underdeliver. But as of right now, I'm going to say that the match itself is going to go on as scheduled, as announced. And it's probably going to end with a Jamie Hayter, Britt Baker victory. Yeah, the only way I see uh, Sasha Banks showing up and having any part of this match is maybe, maybe interfering in it. You have to remember something. On New Japan Pro Wrestling, she's a heel. She attacked their current female champion. Why would she go and team up with Sierra, who's acting, who's, who's portraying a baby face? So if she's going to show up, of course, who knows, man? It's Tony Khan and AEW. They, they don't worry about storylines anyways. But if she shows up there, it would only make sense for her to interfere in that match and cost Sierra and Tony Storm the match. And, my, and that's just my opinion. What are your thoughts on that angle? Because she's supposed to be a heel. Well, from a from a consistency standpoint, it would make sense. But as we've seen in wrestling, when when a, an active performer jumps from one promotion to the next, you don't always get consistency. Sometimes they just want to get the big pop from the crowd, and in their mind, it's like, oh, we got to have Sasha Banks show up and help uh, Soraya and Tony Storm win the match. So uh, you know, I yeah, I don't know. I mean. I do agree with you that it would make more sense, but when you've got that live crowd there, you want to do whatever you can to pop the crowd. So they they, they, they might pull might pull a fast one on us, and she might cost Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter the match. Yeah, I just I think if I had anything to do with New Japan Row Wrestling, I'd be completely against that if I was part of their team and tell them no way because when the Bullet Club goes to Impact or AEW, they're still heels. They, they don't change they don't because you had this they're working on that's why it's called the forbidden door right they're working on having the same audience at both watching both shows that's the whole purpose of this they get new audience members why would you have your character change doesn't make sense i'm actually going to be a little ticked off if that happens <laughs> all right so uh brian danielson he will be facing Tuxita, I take Tuxita for the win because I can't stand Brian Danielson. Uh, I don't even know who Tuxita is. Uh, the next match is Big Bill and Lee Mordini versus Jungle Hook. Uh, Jungle Hook, I mean, everybody knows I like Hook. Can't stand Jungle Boy, but like Hook, I'm going to pick those two. And then the last one is the AEW Triple Championship Best of Seven Match Seven Match. Death Triangle and the Elite. And my prediction is finally, finally, the Elite will get their titles back. 
Your thoughts, sir? Thoughts to unravel. Um, Kanosuke Takeshita, definitely a great talent from New Japan who's been making a lot of waves on AEW television. I I don't see him beating the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. I think it's going to be a competitive match. I think he's going to get have a couple close calls, but I think Brian Danielson's going to win this one, especially because they need Brian Danielson to look strong going into his one-hour match with MJF. Um, as far as the tag team match you mentioned, I predict that Jungle Boy and Hook are going to win this match. Uh, Lee Mori- Moriarty's probably going to take the pinfall loss here. Um, the only thing I could possibly see is if there's some sort of breakdown in communication between Hook and Jungle Boy, then that could potentially cost them the match. But I think because they're both young talents that AEW wants to push, that uh, that uh, Jungle Hook, which that's, that's a very lame name, uh, are going to win this match. And then uh, last but not least, I mean, we're going to have we're going to have probably an all time classic when Death Triangle takes on the Elite. I don't think it really matters who wins this match as long as we get an incredible matchup. But if I had to predict, I think it's it's been only a matter of time for the Elite to win back their titles. So yes, I. I am going to predict that uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are going to get the trio spelts back. Thank you. Thank you for waking up finally. Now we can start the show. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to WWE SmackDown results. First one on the list, Escobar defeated Kofi Kingston. Yeah. I mean, we've said it for a while. The New Day's done. These guys should just retire and get out of the way. Not just as a group, but even single competitors. That's good job on Kofi putting Escobar over because that faction right there continues to grow a little bit. I still don't see them being very successful as a faction. They just remind me of one of those groups. They remind me of the a group that should have never left NXT. They just don't have that, oomph. I don't know what you call it, that factor that I look for in a faction and I just, I don't see them doing any good uh, overall or lasting that long. Anyways, your thoughts? Solid match between two good workers. Um, I, yeah, I give Kofi props for putting Santos Escobar over because he is the, he's the younger talent and you want to continue to make him look strong. Um, I don't believe the new day are washed up. I mean, they're the NXT tag team champions right now. Hoping to add more prestige to those belts. But uh, no, this was a big win for Santos Escobar. It legitimizes him. And I mean, we'll see, We'll continue to see how Legado Del Fantasma does on the main roster. Yeah, I just, uh, I can't believe you don't think the New Day's not washed up. I mean, these guys are, the best thing they had got his neck broke. So, you know, and I don't think that Big E should retire. But this Xavier Woods and this... Kobe, uh, Kobe Kingston, Jamaica guy. Yeah, they need to go. Next match, Karrion Cross teamed up with his lovely wife, Scarlett, and they defeated Matt Cap Moss and Emma. No surprise here. Actually thought, uh, was surprised to see how physical Scarlett, how actually she's a decent competitor. And I don't understand them ever bringing Emma back unless she just come back to wrestle with her boyfriend because she's lost every match since she's been back. I, I just, you know, bring me back to lose all the time. 
right, your thoughts? Well, I'm glad that the right team won this match. I definitely agree with the booking that Karrion Cross and Scarlett should have won this match. Um, I do feel bad for Emma because I think she's a good talent and she's really being just has no direction right now, but it is what it is. Um, I guess as long as she's making money and has a stable job, then good for then good on her. I, I want to know when Karrion Cross is going to be put back into the main event because it's like ever since he lost to Drew McIntyre at Crown Jewel, well, let's just forget about pushing this guy in the main event. Well, why? Because he lost one match. He's he, he, the guy's a star. I mean, if you follow him on social media, he knows how to play this character, and he's pretty intense in the ring. I, I, I've always liked the guy, and I just feel like he got a really raw deal in his last run with the company, and I don't want them to completely forget about him now, because otherwise he might as well just start looking for a job in other promotions where he might be given a more prominent role. Yeah, here's the thing. You're right. He he needs to be put back into the main event. However, they have a lot of athletes right now, a lot of superstars. So really, like, what are you going to do with them? Where are you going to, I mean, you, you have, you have theories with a, a young up and coming competitor with the U S title. You have Roman Reigns who has broke every record being the uh, world champion. And then you have this Gunther beast as your intercontinental champion. What other title is there for What title should he be going for? Don't get me wrong. I would love to see him and Gunther go at it, but you've already started a storyline with Gunther and uh, Braun Strowman. Theory, now Theory, he should be, and that's one of the things I wrote down for the Raw match card. Tonight, we should find out what's next for him or who's his next opponent. He should be done with Seth Rollins, and maybe, just maybe, that would be great. I think Karrion Cross would kill him, destroy him. But yeah, I... That's why I've said it from the beginning. I think Karrion Cross should have been a part of the wide six. I think it would have gave him more of a direction right now. Yes, he does deserve to be world champion. No, he shouldn't be it right now. He's just coming back. People are just starting to get to know him the last few months again. Charlotte Flair defended her world, SmackDown World Championship against Sonya Deville. No surprise there. I don't understand why Sonya Deville continues to get title shot after title shot against these different champions and can, continues to be beaten up <laughs> ever since she's no longer been a general manager. Liz Morgan beat her, Ronda Rousey, now Charlotte, and the list goes on. So, didn't care much about the match. Loved to watch Charlotte wrestle. Just she needs, She deserves better competition than that. And why in the world didn't we hear from Ronda Rousey? She just lost her belt. Why wasn't she on there? Doesn't make any sense. Your thoughts? I, I don't understand what Sonia Deville did to earn a title shot. They just, it's like they said, well, Charlotte's got to defend her title against somebody, so let's just put her against Sonia Deville because she's not booked to do anything tonight. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I'm happy to see Charlotte back. Don't misunderstand me. She's a great wrestler. But, uh, and no disrespect to Sonia Deville, but she hasn't been booked well in recent months. Um, so yeah, this is just, this is a weird segment. There was no doubt who was going to win this match. Next. Right. But where was Ronda Rousey and where was Bray Wyatt on SmackDown? Do you, I mean, have you heard anything about those two? Neither of the, 
It was shocking. Neither of those two were on SmackDown. Well, these are my thoughts on the Bray Wyatt storyline right now. And tell me if you agree or not. I understand the slow build when he first returned. And that was okay. And there was a lot of mystery surrounding the Uncle Howdy character. And that, that was fine in the beginning. And then they finally revealed to us a couple weeks ago, Uncle Howdy is not Bray Wyatt. He's a totally different person. Um, whether he's a figure from Bray Wyatt's past or not, we don't know yet. That, that's all well and good. I appreciate that they they built that up. They made they answered that question. Uncle Howdy's a different person. But now it's like, where do you go from here? You can't just keep drawing it out and drawing it out and drawing it out. you got to... I mean, you've got to give us uh, some answers here in the coming weeks. Yeah, and I think we're, I think they've done really good with those answers the last two weeks, right? The week prior, two weeks ago, like you said, Uncle Howdy came out and we actually seen a physical person. And then last week, he came out all the way to the ring, got in the ring, and actually did a uh, sister Abigail. All right. So be back. Sorry about that, guys. So be back. Uh, so he actually did a sister Abigail to Bray Wyatt in the middle of the ring. So here's the thing. My only thing is, I thought, I kind of thought, they were going to build Uncle Howdy into maybe a three-way dance at Survivor Series against L.A. Knight. So you'd have L.A. Knight, Bray Wyatt, and Uncle Howdy in a a three-way dance at Survivor Series. Which would have been great. Been great. Now we don't see... We see LA Knight on SmackDown, but that's it. And what is a Mountain Dew dark match? Really, I've never heard of that. It's got to be something new. And I'm just wondering if I'm the only one out there who doesn't know what that is. I've done some research and looked. And it just... You know, the Royal Rumble, I think, is going to be a fantastic pay-per-view. But the dark match, a Mountain Dew dark match, just kind of, I don't know, even the name throws me off just a little bit. So, and I know it's promotion for a new drink or what have you from Mountain Dew, but I don't know. Anyways, the next match on the list, we had uh, Ricochet, and he defeated top dollar to qualify for the WWE Royal Rumble, which is great. We knew how that was going to end and right before it started. So uh, your thoughts on that? Uh, Thank you, booking committee, for booking the right guy to win this match. I mean, after top dollar, top dollar, excuse me, botched that uh, flip over the ropes a couple weeks back, My first thought was this guy deserves a job in catering for something like that, not a job in the wrestling ring. But, um, yeah, I mean, Ricochet deserved to win this match, no question about it. Uh, But it was uh, what happened after this match that was very interesting, Kentucky guy. Go ahead. Don't just leave it there. Fill fill us in. I mean, Hit Row attacked Ricochet and basically turned heel, which uh, was shocking, no question about it. But maybe it will shake things up, and maybe it will generate a little bit of interest in Hit Row, finally, because they just they were terrible as as baby faces. I, I'm I'm just gonna say it out loud. They were terrible. Unless they bring in a new member 
as a leader, which I thought they were actually going to do with Shinsei Nakamura, which would have made more sense. Unless they bring in a, a somebody, because they still have that void there from Swerve not being with the WWE anymore. And by the way, he is doing amazing in AEW right now. Have you seen his new faction? <laughs> yeah. Anywho, unless they get a new leader or bring in a leader, I don't care if they turn heel, face, or both. They're not going to be any good. That void's too strong, too devastating, and they just don't have the talent. And they just don't have the talent. The last match of the evening was the Usos, and they defeated the Banger Brothers, Sheamus and his friend, your buddy, the Scottish Warrior, uh, Drew McIntyre. Anyways, the right people won this match. Very interesting, though, because Sami Zayn, <laughs> Sami Zayn was actually apologized to by Roman Reigns. Roman actually had him stay in there and eat popcorn to watch the match. And then Sammy kind of ruins the office. I said, I swear, I said this on the last episode. He is the best entertainer on the show right now. Not the best wrestler, but he's the best entertainer on the show. I love what this guy's doing. It's hilarious. Your thoughts? Well, it was a great match. And I mean, I would have been happy regardless of the outcome because of the performers that are involved. It makes sense to have the Usos win at this point in time against an episode of SmackDown if they were to drop the belts to somebody you wanted to be on a bigger stage. I don't like the name the Banger Brothers. I don't I don't I don't know who came up with that name on the creative team. That's got to go. Um I mean they could have called they could have called them the something warriors or whatever. I I don't know the, the Celtic well, eh, the Celtic Warriors. I guess that might have a ring to it. But um yeah, still a good match, um, and I do agree with you on Sami Zayn. He's very entertaining. In fact, I thought the whole uh, opening segment where uh, Roman Reigns was getting really ticked off at Sami Zayn, and we thought he was actually going to hit him at one second before he was interrupted by Kevin Owens. And then uh, later when the Tribal Chief ap apologized, I mean, I never thought I'd witness the Tribal Chief apologize to anyone, but... I, I don't know if you were paying attention to his uh, facial expressions, Kentucky guy. I'm starting to get the sense that Roman Reigns is reaching his breaking point with Sami Zayn. That it could be any moment, any moment that the tribal chief could turn around and kick the honorary oose out of the bloodline. Yeah, he's uh, he's ticked off at him. You can tell even when he hugged him, he wasn't smiling. And... uh you know, he also, shoo, he's got Sami Zayn in this match now with Kevin Owens, which is not going to be an easy match for Sami Zayn whatsoever. Don't get me wrong. I love it when those two wrestle each other, but yeah, that's, I think Sami Zayn has to win that match to win any face back with the Tribal Chief. So I, I do agree with you there. I disagree with you on the Banger Brothers, though. I think that suits these two knuckleheads. The Banger Brothers. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The dumb Banger Brothers. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. So for the Raw match card, <laughs> the only thing that they really got announced was what's next for Austin Aries. And then something also that I've been kind of wondering about, and I've got some questions about this. 
is the WWE did announce, and this is the only thing they announced for their entire Raw match card, which is getting ready to start soon, that Alexa Bliss will explain her outburst last week on Bianca Belair. Now, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> she, she had a chance to become the Raw Women's Champion at a match against Bianca Belair. They fought. They ended up outside the ring. There is a security moving this guy back. This guy has a Uncle Howdy mask on. It gets Alexa Bliss's attention for a moment. She shakes it off, throws Bianca Belair back in the ring. She then turns around, and on the other side of the ring, there's another gentleman wearing a Uncle Howdy mask. The first guy, I swear, he looks like Dexter Loomis. The, his hair, like if you could see the back of his head, when that security guard pulled him back a little bit, it looked like Dexter Loomis. I don't know. It probably wasn't, but it looked like him. And the other guy to me looked like the the guy that has been having a, that's been chasing, I cannot think of his name. He was chasing the United States title. Bobby Lashley took him out several times. He was the leader of, of the group. Wow. I can't, I can't think of it. Anyways, it'll come to me. But anyways, he looked like that guy on the other side. Anyways, Alexa Bliss does this. It stuns her for a moment. Turns around. The upside-down Firefly shows up on the screen. Uncle Howdy's, by the way, his that's his theme, shows up. She grabs her head, shows up again, like she goes into some crazy shock. And then she downs the referee, getting herself disqualified. And then she completely destroys, and I loved every minute of it, Bianca Belair. So here's my question. She's supposed to explain her outburst on Bianca Belair. So will she turn, tonight, will she turn to being part of the six, let it come out? Will Uncle Howdy, or maybe even Bray Wyatt, since they weren't on SmackDown, show up on Raw tonight? And will Bianca Belair actually be in the building, and what will she say? How will she answer Alexa Bliss's explanation? That's just my thoughts on that. I just, a lot of questions there. Your thoughts? I mean, I think the storyline that we're seeing here, and again, I, I keep saying it over and over, we need to see a payoff soon because I'm starting to get restless. But I think that the whole idea behind this whole Wyatt Six faction is that this Uncle Howdy guy is actually the, the ringleader of this group. And that he has influence on the likes of both Alexa Bliss and Bray Wyatt. I think he's the one really that's pulling the strings here. And I want to see more progression here with Alexa Bliss. Because when she shows her aggressive side, that's when she's the most interesting. I mean, she's been, she's been kind of lost as far as the storyline goes for the last few months. She's been, a, she's been an ally of Bianca Belair's and, and Asuka. Uh, Alexa Bliss shouldn't play second fiddle to any woman on the, in the women's division. Um, so we, we, we need to see more progression there, honestly, because it's, a, it's an interesting storyline the way it's going. But we just need we just need progression. We need some answers. Um, but it's going to be an interesting showdown between the two of them when they face off at the Royal Rumble. 
Now, I do think, I do agree that I think that Uncle Howdy is going to be the ringleader. My my thought is, and I'm glad you brought this up because I meant to ask you your thoughts about this on the last episode. Oh, no, we didn't get into the Bray Wyatt because we didn't have enough time. That's right. So I pushed it back to this week and then I forgot about it until you started talking. <laughs> Uncle Howdy. So anyways, here's what I'm wondering. Ever, Bray Wyatt always said in every interview he did, in every promo, in the playhouse that he was not. He never admitted to being the fiend. I'm wondering, after going back and watching, and I didn't come up with this theory on my own. I always give credit where credit's due. And this was uh, a gentleman who I kind of watch, and uh, he wa- he listens to us as well, and I kind of watch his videos and gotten to know him. And he brought this just as a scenario to me, and I'd and I done some digging into it, and I kind of, he might be onto something, I don't know. But if you go back and you watch when Uncle Howdy crawled into the ring, when L.A. Knight and Bray Wyatt was there, he crawled in there and did everything just like The Fiend did. The Fiend would walk down and he would have that lantern that looked like Bray Wyatt's face and he would set it down in the middle, uh, on the end of the apron, in the middle. Uncle Howdy came down and put his hat in the exact same place. When he left, he grabbed the hat, just like the fiend always grabs the lantern when he left. I'm just wondering if it's going to come out and they're going to portray that Uncle Howdy was the fiend, is the fiend. What are your thoughts about that scenario? It's an interesting theory. Um, Uncle Howdy, of course, is a slightly different build from the fiend, from the fiend but they could always just chalk it up as slight suspension of disbelief. Uh, from a storyline perspective. I mean, they could try to pass it off that Bray Wyatt himself, I mean, we know in real life he was, but Bray Wyatt himself in storyline was not the fiend. And maybe it could work within the context of the story. Yeah, I won't, uh, That that's not too crazy of a theory, actually. You know, and here's the other thing. If you remember during Bray Wyatt's debut, when they had all the, the puppets from the fun house out there. The fiend was out there too. And people thought it was Bray Wyatt, but it wasn't because Bray Wyatt came through the blue door. So I don't know. I don't know, but that is all I have, sir, for this episode. And like I said, raw just does not have much of a card posted yet. Hopefully they always come through on the matches. Normally I, I just, and you know, maybe they want the suspense and, and sometimes that's good. So I'm not going to dog them too much for not having another match card. But I do have a lot of questions surrounding this bliss. Anyway, sir, that's all I have for this episode. How about yourself? That's all I have for this episode. All right. So once again, you've been listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. <music> With your host is Donnie Cage and the Kentucky Guy. Hey, everyone. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember, all of our links are in the description below, even our merch shop. So check it out. And once again, God bless and God bless America.